Hassan in Swahili dedicated to all you beautiful people around the world. We say Jumbo! Greetings to the Global Mission Podcast. My name is Richard Lewis, your host, as we discuss the issues of worldwide missions and the task of the Great Commission. Well, today's topic is on missionary training. You know, I must admit, uh, it's often difficult for me to explain to people when they ask me, what is it that you do? On an airplane or having a casual conversation with people I don't know, I usually tell them I'm a teacher. From there, they might ask me what I teach, and knowing that they really wouldn't understand my role as a missionary, I often reply I teach cultural anthropology, primarily in colleges, seminaries, or for nonprofit organizations. That usually ends the conversation unless the person is really interested, which is not very often. When giving my ministry description to pastors or churches or mission committee members, I begin by saying that I train missionaries. Sometimes I say I train cross-cultural workers, but that terminology is not uh, familiar to many people. Training missionaries is a foreign and, in some respects, an unheard ministry. It's outside of what people generally think about missionary work. So today I want to discuss what does it mean to train missionaries? My brother, who is a business consultant, often kids me about training missionaries and jokes that a person can train a dog or a horse, but you really can't train people in work or behavior. You know, I get his point, but my mind goes back many years ago when he and I joined the army. We were sent to Fort Polk, Louisiana for what? for what they call basic training. We were trained to be soldiers. In that unpleasant three months, we were taught how to march, take orders, shoot and clean an M16 rifle, how to throw a hand grenade, and the discipline of guard duty. Those three months of training was vital in the event we were sent to war. We were taught, trained, if you please, on how to fight and survive. Practical orientation taught in classroom and in the field dealing with real-life applications on what to do, when to do it, and of course, all the things we shouldn't do on the battlefield. No one ever suggested that a soldier go to battle without first being trained. Almost any profession one can think of requires some training, coaching, or instruction. Whether a person is a carpenter, truck driver, nurse, accountant, or IT specialist, training is a prerequisite prior to entering the workforce. Yet for some reason, training people to be effective in serving Christ as a missionary doesn't seem to resonate with many. After 14 years serving in East Africa, I took on the position of Vice President of International Training with a mission organization here in the States. Occasionally, I was asked to go to different seminaries or Bible college 
to represent our agency when the schools had their annual missions emphasis week. I would, of course, visit other representatives of other mission organizations while there, and it was interesting to me the requirements of potential candidates in becoming a missionary with their group. The most common prerequisite for acceptance was that the candidate had to have at least 30 hours of formal Bible training. When I asked if there was a minimal requirement for mission studies, the answer was, we would like for them to have studied missions in college or seminary, but it's not a mandate. I met one missionary who told me that the only class he had ever had in missions was one semester on the history of missions. The organization I was a part of was very different. We required everyone who joined our agency to submit to a minimum of three months of training. Many of our missionary candidates were second career people who had not gone to Bible college, but uh, had a degree maybe in engineering or business or some other discipline. Our three to six months training was to make sure that once the people were on the field, that they had the necessary tools to fight the battle, both spiritually, emotionally, and culturally. Most second career people going to the mission field were mature believers, having served in their local church for years. They may not have had a course in Greek, but had been teachers and leaders in their home church for years. To ask someone to return to seminary for the required 30 hours of formal Bible studies seemed to be more of an obstacle than an avenue for service. Our training back then was focused training, as it is with me today. By focused training, I mean when I work with missionaries, it's not a generic study. Most cultural anthropology courses, especially at the undergraduate level, approach each subject from a very broad perspective. A class on kinship, research methods, and worldview are okay if the student is becoming familiar with just the concepts. But understanding how those topics work out in real life, with real on-field implication, the student must study and learn what that means to the people they will be working with. If you are an engineering student, do you study just engineering or is it focused studies such as electrical, mechanical, or civil engineering? There are approximately 40 different types of engineering degrees. Likewise, a missionary must be focused on what and who they are studying as an engineer would, a doctor, or a financial advisor. Focused training, not generic studies, is what missionary training is all about. The missionary who wants to work, well, let's say, with Muslims in Senegal, must recognize that he or she does not necessarily need a course in Islam. It will surely be helpful, but more importantly, they need to know that the worldview of the Senegalese is much more influenced by animism and superstition, led by shamans called marabouts and balfais, and of course the different Muslim brotherhoods. The truth of the matter is, most Senegalese are cultural Muslims and know very little about their own religion. A missionary can have a PhD in Islamic studies and still not know how to witness to the average Senegalese in the country. Here's another example. A missionary might benefit from understanding the general concept of kinship, 
But how does that play out among the Castilians, the Catalans, and the Basque people of Spain? Do you have a desire to work among the Buddhists in Nepal? Well, the question the missionary needs to answer is, will their outreach be to the Tibetan Buddhist or the Nuar Buddhist? I think you get my point. Merely studying culture as a subject is an exercise in education, whereas training is a focus on specific people for a specific task. So the question again is, is missionary training important? I conducted a survey on this whole issue of missionary preparedness a few years back. 50% of the respondents were pastors and 50% were missionaries. Here were the questions and the results of that survey. On the question, do you think pre-field missionary training is important? 94% responded, very important. When asked if they thought college or seminary education was enough for missionary preparedness, 96% said no. Again, the response was from both sending pastors and going missionaries. When asked how long the course should be, 48% said at least four weeks. Others suggested three months, six months, to one year. On the question of who should this cross-cultural training be for, 90% said appointed and approved missionaries raising support. 54% said for missionaries on furlough or home ministry. 50% for the mission committee members in the local church. 48% said pastors should take cross-cultural training. Well, of course, I believe that number should be higher for pastors as we live in a multi-ethnic world in every town and city throughout the world. So you can see from this survey, clearly pastors, missionaries, and church members believe preparing people to serve cross-culturally is important. Now, training seems to be a buzzword among some mission agencies these days, and Several missionary organizations state they provide training for those who join their team. However, when you inquire about their training, it is often less than two weeks, and most of it is dedicated to guiding the appointed missionaries on how to fill out their monthly expense report. Even though people believe in it, missionary training is still a hard sell for two reasons, which are really tied together and they are time and money. When a missionary is approved or appointed by a mission organization, it is then the responsibility of that missionary to raise their support. Raising funds to live overseas is a long and arduous process. These days, it takes two to three years for people to garnish sufficient financial support to live overseas. They must travel, make phone calls to potential donors, and every day they are not actively seeking support means more delay in getting to the field. To suggest that a missionary family take time off for training, be it three weeks or three months, is, they believe, something they just cannot afford. Though the survey respondents categorically agreed missionary training is vital, when asked if the missionary training should be mandated before someone goes to the field, only 54% agreed. In other words, missionary training is important and preferable, 
but not so important that we should make it a priority. As a result, the decision for people to be adequately prepared for field service is left up to the missionaries themselves, who probably will opt out. Can you imagine any business hiring someone for a position in the company, telling the potential employee that we think they should be trained for the job, but it's up to them whether they want training or not? When I joined the Army, there wasn't any discussion on how I felt about going to Fort Polk for basic training. It was just part of the deal. Several years ago, there was a missions agency that contacted me about conducting a two-week training session for two families, including their teenage children, who were on their way to New Zealand. The agency was committed to ensuring their teams had at least some field preparation not willing just to send them out with no cross-cultural understanding. Both of the families lived in the Kansas City area, and a local congregation, the Abundant Life Church, offered their facilities for the training. The cost was minimal, as the missionaries did not have to pay for lodging, and they went home each night after the sessions. The point is, providing training doesn't depend on having a campus and paying a large amount of money in preparing missionaries. In fact, the reason these people contacted me was because they had investigated a missionary training program, and for a three-week study, it would have cost each family over $10,000. Again, a few years back, in partnership with LifeBridge Church, which just so happens to be in Kansas City as well, we did a four-day intensive training we called Double Time which is a term from my days in the Army. We would be on a field march, and double time was when we picked up the pace by jogging. Nearly 40 missionaries attended that intensive training, some traveling from as far away as Costa Rica and the Philippines. Life Bridge Church went beyond the call of duty, as from their missions budget, they provided lunch and child care. That's how serious they took missionary preparation. These two examples illustrate that providing missionary training doesn't have to have a cookie-cutter approach. If training is indeed important, then we have to be creative in providing necessary cross-cultural instruction. One more example. My home church, Temple Baptist in Springdale, Arkansas, promoted a one-month program for their church members, which included the kids. Every Sunday morning for four Sundays, they had a breakfast, and after the breakfast, I spoke on cross-cultural issues on how to reach their diverse ethnic community and neighbors with the gospel. After the breakfast, then they continued their Sunday morning worship. It was well attended and well received. You know, there will always be some people that believe that if a person feels they have a call to be a missionary, they should just go and not be hindered with equipping people for the task. While I understand that argument, I'm too old and I have seen too many people crash and burn living overseas to accept that reasoning. It is not a stretch to remind people that the Lord did not just send his disciples to all the world but for three years, he instructed them in the task that was before them. Obviously, the Apostle Paul felt it was important to give repeated instructions to his young colleagues 
Silas, Timothy, and Titus. While the Apostle Paul had a dramatic personal encounter and calling from the Lord Jesus, in Acts 18.26, the scripture says that Paul began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. That's an amazing verse. Obviously, just having a fervor for the message needs to be guided, to be trained for greater effectiveness. Ephesians 4.12 states clearly the role of the church is to equip the saints for ministry. While the local church invests a great deal of time and money in, in advancing their children's youth and music programs, equipping men and women to reach 3.6 billion people who have never heard the name of Jesus doesn't seem to have a very high priority. Though convincing people they need to be adequately equipped before going overseas is a hard sell, it's a drum I'm willing to continue to beat on, not just for North American missionaries, but for nationals in India, Africa, Korea, and every person thinking about serving cross-culturally. In the past 20 years, visiting over 50 countries, I've learned that most nationals have never heard of cultural anthropology, cross-cultural communication, and have no training whatsoever in preparing to be missionaries. For this reason, 90% of my work these days is training national missionaries. So again, why is training so important? Two reasons. One is the high rate of attrition within the missionary community. Secondly, the need for effective servants around the world. These two issues I will tackle in upcoming podcasts, but for now, my question to the missionary community is, how prepared do we really feel we are in taking the message of Christ to unbelievers? Have we focused on a specific group of people without the gospel? Do we understand the worldview of the secularists, uh, Sunni Muslims, uh, culture of Catholics, or the Vishnite Hindus? To sending pastors and mission committee members, if we really do believe that equipping people to be effective ambassadors overseas is important, how much of an investment have we made in their success? If the primary task of the church is to equip others for the ministry, including equipping missionaries, like the Great Commission, missionary training cannot be just a great suggestion. Well, I look forward to continuing this discussion in the days ahead. Next week, our podcast will be of very special interest to pastors, as we will hear from a guy that has spent most of his life helping churches, pastors, and mission organizations in how to best enhance their outreach program. So until next time, thanks for listening, downloading these sessions, and sharing it with others. Be sure to go to our website, lewis-training.com. And until next week, God bless you. Welcome friend, it's Karibu Rafiki. Let's have some chai with lots of iliki. No problem. Hakuna.